it's basketball season and we've got you covered. The Ringer NBA show breaks down the latest and greatest around the league five days a week. Check out The Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer FC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am knackered, Musa. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. I'm... Yeah, 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 you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, just a little bit of a, a, a spoiler, a spoiler. We're doing a rare thing that we don't really ever do on Stadio. We're recording our intro at the end of the podcast because so much happened during the recording of the podcast that we yeah. felt like we had to summarize it yeah, again. Yeah. So obviously the European Super League was announced. Yeah or the, the intentions of the European Super League was announced. So we'll be getting into that during the recording and you'll hear it when it happens. The news that Jose Mourinho has been sacked as Spurs manager broke. And yeah, basically we wanted to also start the, the podcast yeah. with a little bit of actual, actual football talk because there was yeah. some really good football yeah. that happened this weekend. There was. So it's a very, very chaotic episode. We apologise if it seems all over the place. But frankly, so is football. But actually, to be honest, you try doing a better job. All of you <laughs> lot. You, <try> <laughs> you don't want to bend through. You guards, don't want to bend guards, through. Guards, take him away. Guards, you don't want to bend through. <laughs> uh, let's do some admin. Yep. I had a piece go up on the ringer on Friday about the, the four classicos. Excellent it was 10 piece. years ago. Yeah. Thanks, man. Great piece of writing. Um, you've got a piece going up this week. I've got a piece yeah, going up this week that. as well, yeah. which has nothing to do, which actually has been. So I've got a piece going up around all of this Super League stuff. It's been in the pipe for a while. I was actually writing a piece on the UEFA reforms. I think there's another couple of pieces go up on the ringer this week about... I've got one coming up uh, that's unrelated to this. Ooh. Uh, so, so my piece coming up has been approved already. I got the, I got the sign off by the, the great editor, Connor Evans last night. So Connor. that's going up. To, yeah, great piece of editing. Um, so that's going up. And then I've got another piece coming later this week, which is 
unrelated to the current context, which I'm looking forward to. Ooh. Which I need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I don't even know about that. What is it? doesn't matter. It's all right. Yeah. Fine. Is it about when you were in Brazil? Ryan, in a relationship, everyone's got their secrets. Oh, this isn't a relationship. <laughs> Strictly in an arrangement. <laughs> I'm going to announce my own Super League. <laughs> breaking away. Yeah, I'm breaking away. Um, yeah, just, I'm going to, yeah, it's going to be a League of One. No promotional Sorry. relegation. The European Hunt and Champions League. I win League. it every year. <laughs> Super League. <laughs> so today we were going to, talk about the four classicos we we're going to do an episode on that we're going to save it till later in the week yeah um because we actually we're going to talk about football originally mm. because there was so much stuff that happened this weekend that we thought oh man we should talk about the football because there was some amazing stuff that happened mm. um, momentous stuff we're going to do the four classicos episode on thursday i think yeah yeah before we get into the news that broke on Sunday about the European Super League. We're actually going to talk about football because, as you rightly said to me earlier before we started recording, we should talk about the good things that happened this weekend because there were some good things that happened this weekend. There were some great things that happened this weekend. And yes, the announcement of the European Super League is going to massively overshadow all of that and dominate the news cycle. Yeah. And understandably so. And we're not immune to that. We're going to have to cover it. And we obviously have thoughts. But there was some amazing football this weekend and there were some amazing results this weekend. So we thought before we get onto the serious stuff, we would shout out some of our favorite football bits from the weekend. Yeah. So I think the first one that we unanimously agreed on, yeah, Leicester City making it to an FA Cup final where they it's were amazing. faced Chelsea. And... I am really pleased for Brendan Rodgers. I'm really pleased for Leicester City. I feel a bit sorry for Southampton because obviously I have a little bit of a soft spot for Southampton. I would have loved to have seen them go to an FA Cup final again. But I think for Leicester, like this final isn't cut and dried. Not at all, not at all. And we, on, on a weekend that was kind of, obviously ended up pretty grim. I think this was a real, you know, seeing Leicester and Chelsea in the cup final, I think is, that's a really tasty cup final. It's a great final in styles that I think mesh quite well mm. I think yeah I think that makes for a very interesting game of football maybe a good game of football actually yeah so I mean Chelsea obviously have gone to the final as well and there's back to back finals for Chelsea Arsenal beat them last season yeah 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 back to back yeah, yeah it was City Watford the year before yeah the 6-0 Chelsea United the year before that and then Arsenal Chelsea again the year before that so Chelsea have had one, two, three, four, five of the last six finals they've been to they're really good in the FA Cup. Yeah, they're amazing. Remember how Ashley Cole would just rack up FA Cups with <laughs> with them, yeah. Chelsea have got a massive, uh, massively great record. They're the third most successful side in the competition. This is a big win for them as well over City. Huge. City threw everything at them. Yeah, and Pep's quadruple is, is no more. And this was an important trophy for Manchester City, make no mistake. They really yeah, went for this. A big kind of, oh, I'm going to say it, it was a statement victory. It was, it was, and it was, a mar- it was a marker for sure. Yeah, and I think that uh, Kevin, I think it was Kevin Hatchard wrote on Twitter, shouts to Kevin Hatchard, great Bundesliga commentator. He was saying Chelsea are, are already positioning themselves for a major title challenge next season in the Premier oh, League. absolutely, absolutely. If they're still yeah. in there, they're still allowed in the Premier League. If there is a Premier League. Yeah, again, the job that Tuchel is doing at Chelsea is superb. That, only, that West Brom game, the only blip 
The other thing in England that I want to give props to in the men's game is Norwich. Norwich back in the Premier League next season. Yeah. Um, I really like this trend of a few clubs sticking with their manager. You know, Farker was never really in danger of losing his job at Norwich. And I think they yeah. kind of accepted that they would probably go down when they were in the Premier League last season. Um, and I'm really pleased for them to come back in the Premier League. I really, I thought they played some pretty good stuff when they were in the Premier League. They obviously had that win over Man City at the beginning, early on in the season, which... Which encouraged everyone else to go for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was, again, that was, that was the Bielsa thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them back in the Premier League. Elsewhere in Europe? I'd actually, in Europe, like to go straight to PSG beating Lyon in okay. the Champions League. Yeah, only because this was such a funny tie. Um, so PSG went, to, went through three to an aggregate. Postponed due to COVID, by the way. Yeah, so it got rearranged the weekend. But you know what was really strange about this tie? is that in both legs, I've never seen a side. There were, like, there were like three opponents in this. There was PSG, there was Lyon, and then there was PSG themselves. And the kind of psychological barrier was it because PSG's approach play in both games was so, so good. And PSG's finishing was not so good. And you saw, I mean, it's very, I hesitate to talk about an opponent being intimidating, but some of the finishing in over the couple of legs was like it didn't it lacked the kind of assurance of the builder and PSG overcame that mental hurdle because they created so well throughout these these, uh, these two ties they were the better side in both in both games and when Leon took the early lead after about three four minutes you know everyone's like okay this is just another mm. Leon doing it again but PSG played so much football and they brought it back they ended up converting the hardest of their chances uh, about half an hour in which is funny because they missed some like close in ones but then scored a beauty half an hour gone. Grace Guyoro got an absolute beauty after 25 minutes. Mm. Um, curving into the top corner from Franklin obscene angle. And then the heartbreaking thing was that Wendy Renard, who's no. been the star, she's been the star of these, of Leon's run. They've won like five straight, I think, um, in the Champions League. And she scored the own goal at the near post. And weirdly, a lot of people were like, this is heartbreaking for her. But the funny thing about it was, sounds weird to say this, it was weirdly, the tragedy was weirdly fitting because she gave absolutely everything. If you see like the way she's stretching for that, she got to the ball ahead of like the other attacker. Mm. If you're going to go out, you're going to go out like that. It reminded me of Roy Keane's own goal in the semi-final against Real Madrid where the best player on the pitch is the one that ends up sealing the defeat. And you see her like even in the last minute, like she gets like an effort headed off the line like towards the end. And it's just like Wendy Renard was everywhere in this tie. Mm. And the, the thing about this last four is those are the best four teams. You know, those are the best four teams, I think, remaining. And I can, you know, I have no idea who's going to win out of those lot because I'm sad for Leon, obviously, because, you know, the champions have gone out and they've done a great, they've been on an amazing run. I'm also excited to see a new winner. If that makes sense. Um, Pretty good weekend, I think, for, uh, for Wolfsburg as well, I think, because they won in the league against Bayer Leverkusen and Bayern were... Bayern lost their first game of the season in the Frauen Bundesliga, losing 3-2 to Hoffenheim on Saturday. So the, the gap at the top of the Frauen Bundesliga now is only two points. Bayern go to Wolfsburg on the 9th of May. The title is essentially in both teams' hands. We have league. We do. Let's talk quickly about the Copa del Rey final. Yeah. Barca beating Athletic Club. There's an absolutely astounding Leo Messi goal in this game that everyone's probably seen by now. What is it with Athletic and Messi goals starting on the halfway line? You know, it's... it's <laughs> It's like that scene in uh, Lord of the Rings. Bring him down, Negolas. Bring him down. You see the orc approaching from like 50 yards away and there's just nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. 
there's something about, I don't know, it's, you know, Messi and Athletic Club, and it was Neymar as well. There's some, I don't know what it is. Those Because Neymar had that thing for Athletic as well. They mm-hmm. would go at him and he loved it. And there's something We mentioned it, wouldn't it? Like that, that, that rivalry is actually, this always had kind of flair players at Barca, going back to the Maradona, Goicochea yes. days. Yes, 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 you yes. Know, where an Athletic who were just like, yeah. Do you know what it is? It's because it's because elite players, elite dribblers are brave and they love contact or the threat mm. of contact because that goal that Messi scores. So Barcelona beat Athletic Club 4-0 and this is, the headline of this is, this is a really significant victory. I was tweeting and I'm quite proud to say this. I was like, this is like such a vital victory because it bridges the gap between old era and new era. Then shout out Gerard PK comes out and tweets about the new era. And I was like, this was really important to them. Yeah. Massive. They knew they needed a bridging victory and you've got these young players who've won something now and not only won something, but playing in that style. And then there was something so symbolic about the fact that Sebasa so win 4-0 and they dominate possession from early on. And they, they actually break through relatively late. I mean, break through with 20 minutes to go, but once they score, it just, you know, it's a cascade of goals. But what was significant, I think, was that you had Frankie de Jong balling out. It was outstanding. You had him combining really well with Messi, almost like a handing over the, uh, the torch, a passing of the torch. And the fact that Barcelona played their football the entire game, mm-hmm. they played how they wanted to on the front foot for the last two goals. I mean, so the, the final goal basically kept possession for two and a half minutes, 60 passes. The Messi side foot. Yeah, but the third goal very quickly, just to be specific about that, the Messi goal, if for, those who, for, the, for the three people in the universe that still haven't seen it, for the three organisms in the known universe you haven't seen it it's astonishing i reckon that you know those like those fish that are like transparent or translucent that live on the the ocean floor yeah i think they've seen it as well someone's they've, passed yeah, them yeah, the highlights <laughs> someone is someone is they've probably whatever the equivalent is of the deepest sea whatsapp group they've seen it they've seen it but yeah. then again I think their tv screen is basically like it's the width of the ocean basically i mean they're streaming it from literally like up there so they've seen all of it um but what i would say about the messy goal is the way he constructs it, mm. it's mind blowing. It's almost like, you know what, if you basically put together Leo Messi's, if you basically like show that goal and say, this is Leo Messi, that's his, his entire career is in that goal. Mm-hmm. You know, the dribbling, the acceleration, the combination, the calmness. To be honest, it's one of the most Cruyff goals he's ever scored. This reminds me actually of a goal I mentioned in my piece about the Classicos, where, which was his second goal in the Champions League first leg against yeah. Real Madrid. Because yeah. he plays a lazy one-two with Busquets in that game. Yeah. And here, compared to the famous, or the couple of fam- really famous goals against Athletic, where he's had to do it all himself, he basically yeah. plays a double one-two with Frankie Diong. Unreal. Unreal. Diong assisted for, whose goal was it? Griezmann's as well. Yeah. And just looked, just looked really, really happy to be there. As did everyone after the game when they were all getting their pictures taken with Leo. Can I mention a quick, no, first of all, we'll get to the pitch in a, very, in a second, but what I love about the De Jong thing, you know, the Barcelona talk about the pauser, mm-hmm. the hesitation pass, right? That was pure pauser, hesitation pass, holding it. It was like Xavi holding it for Jordi Alba, Jordi Alba in the um, final of the Euro 2012, when Jordi Alba just rips past me outside and Xavi just holds, holds, holds and rolls into his path. Funny thing, actually, we're going to talk about this in the four Classicos episode. I'm kind of like getting ahead of myself, but you know, the funny thing about that Messi goal, Ryan, um, in the semi-final, is that like Messi gives you trailers of it. In each of the games before, Messi occupies space in the underlies left position, and he's like he's looking up, and it's like 
he does a little run, but doesn't go all the way. And it's almost like, like it's funny because watching the games again, like in order, and I was like, oh my gosh, Messi has been looking for that gap for like three matches. <laughs> it's like a raccoon coming around the back door to see if the back door is open. And then one day, <laughs> 57 consecutive days of watching the back door, there's a crack open and Messi's like, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. <laughs> and he's sitting. It's just so funny watching that little space. There's a little space by um, Sergio Ramos' left ankle in the inside left position. And Messi's just watching it, but never like attacks it. And then eventually he's like, yeah. <laughs> like a naughty child. Never underestimate the power of the copper, man. Yes. It's very, very important for the cycle of a, of a team, you know? And the only huge, thing that I feel really, I feel really sorry for Marcelino. It's a real shame for them that they didn't get one of them, but he's still done an incredible job since he's been there. I, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not part of the athletic club fan base. I may be presumptuous here, but that man will have brought a lot of joy to a lot of people in a very difficult time for a lot of people at home. Like that, that he would have, and it's one of those things, and football's a funny one, isn't it? Like look at Sir Bobby Robson, mm-hmm. didn't win a World Cup, but it's beloved because people remember moments People remember goals and that cup run. They'll remember specific moments. It'll, yeah, it's heartbreaking to have lost, but the trophy cabinet isn't barren. You know, mm-hmm. there is a Supercopa. Um, and in the fullness of time, this will go down as a, as a special team, a team that did special things at a time when the region needed it. And they really, I mean, there's, there's a really sad picture of Inyaki Williams in the stands, and he's mm-hmm. obviously devastated, but you're only that devastated when you've given everything and when it means everything. And I think that's what they take from it. You gave everything to that athletic club. Like there's nothing else that you can, there's no recriminations there. Yeah, I agree. That's how I see it. Anyway. Quickly before we wrap up this bit, um, Hansi Flick announced his desire to leave Bayern Munich at the end of the season, which is big. I think it caught Bayern on the hop. It looks like the DFB will be next for him, the national job. Uh, just quickly, we were, we were, in a normal week, we would have gone into this quite a lot, but Freetown um, Funkel, the, <laughs> the, the gentleman hired by Cologne a week ago, came out with some very ropey remarks on the weekend about... Um, yeah, very. I mean, I'd just say go and Google them. Yeah, what I will say on a positive note is, shout out to the Cologne Supporters Associations who came out very quickly with statements. They're very good on stuff like that. Yeah, they're really good. I just want to like shout that out because, you know, it's, we hear about um, a lot of bad things going on in football, but what is really impressive a lot of the time is the resistance to these things and the the supporters that get things done. A theme to which we will have to return shortly. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man. So let's talk about what we're here. We're all here to here to hear. Yes. Okay. So we start this segment with a um, quoting a tweet by Susie Dent on Twitter. Uh, her bio is that woman in dictionary corner. So she often tweets definitions of words and on countdown. Tweeted, by the way, the UK program. Yeah. So she tweeted, "Word of the day is ingordigiousness, extreme greed, and insatiable desire for wealth at any cost." This is absolutely shocking. So the announcement was made 
under the cover of night, the announcement of proposals for a European Super League. Well, not proposals for really, just the announcement of it. They're doing it, yeah. They're doing it, yeah. That was, so, it was big, like, we're doing this and no one can stop us, Energy. Absolutely, yeah. So the idea is 12 founding clubs who will add a further three, they're going to add a further three, so there'll be, I think, in total 15 founding clubs. And between them, they're going to split three and a half billion dollars. So that means that each club is going to receive four times as much money as a club gets for winning the Champions League. It's a huge amount of money. Um, there's a great piece of coverage by Tarek Panja, the New York Times. Tarek yeah, is an amazing follower, by the way. Yeah, his piece was he's, great. He just, he's been a great follower on Twitter for years. So at Tarek Panja. And the idea is they're going to be starting this league. They're going to play each other the midweek. And where do we even... I'm still forming thoughts on this. So please jump in. I'm still processing it. As I, 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 was, I started this segment and I was going to go on a particular line, but I find now that words fail me, Ryan. I think the problem is that we're recording this at around 10-ish, 10.30 uh, Berlin time on Monday. Yeah. And there are announcements literally coming out every few minutes. Yes. This feels like watching a coup, like an actual coup, like the yes, live updates, yes. the, the initial kind of announcement. For example, all of the 12 clubs who have announced there that they are founding clubs have quit any com- uh, committee positions at UEFA and the European Club Association. If I'm being honest, I don't even really know where to begin. I mean, I'm going to read a little. I'm the same. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling. Sorry, carry on. So the latest update is, for example, and I've just, I've just fired up the, uh, the athletic breaking news piece. All 12 European clubs quit UEFA and ECA roles. How the Super League will work is the club say that 15 founding members will be joined by five other teams who qualify each season. They say the games will be played midweek starting in August with teams playing home and away fixtures in two groups of 10 with the top three in each group automatically qualifying for the quarterfinals. Teams finishing fourth and fifth will then compete in a two-legged playoff for the remaining quarterfinal positions and then a two-leg knockout format will be used to reach the final in May which will be staged at a single neutral venue. Uh, in a single fixture at a neutral venue. They've also said that the same will happen for the women's game as soon as possible. That's like an afterthought. Almost. Yeah, that, I know. That, that whole, I know. the way they just threw that in. Oh yeah, and also we'll do something for, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Girl boss feminism, let's do it for the ladies. Like, what? Like, it's weird. The, it's so... The statement, the, th- the, thing that, yeah. the thing that strikes me is the arrogance of the assuming everything will be fine. So for example, in the statement that the club's released, It said preserving the traditional domestic match calendar, which remains at the heart of the club game. Um, There is also some stuff about they want to benefit, it benefits wider football and all this kind of this bullshit. The whole thing is grim for a start. And if I'm being honest, I think I'm, it's so overwhelmingly grim on so many levels that I'm struggling to formulate articulate thoughts about it. Can I be honest? This is how it feels. It feels like, imagine a church where Everyone in the church hates the congregation. Well, all the staff hate the congregation. It's like that. It's like you, football is a place people come for solace, right? And the people running that whole structure hate the people inside it. And I say specifically, the people that devised this Super League is contempt of a level that is so brazen, so naked. They have basically taken all the value and just creamed it off the top. 
Mm-hmm. And actually, this is no, to be honest, this is no different. What's happening in football is, it's no different from what happened in 2008 when the banks got bailed out, where they gambled. The banks gambled and then everyone else paid their debts. Everyone else paid them off, basically. The taxpayer paid them off. Like, they had all the fun. So the, these clubs basically ran themselves irresponsibly to the point where they needed to jump in the arms of these banks who'd given them the cash to bail them out. The only people that could bail them out, their irresponsible financial behavior in many cases, were banks. And they leapt into their arms. Speaking of so banks, again, everyone else JP paying. Morgan have confirmed that they'll be financing it. So that's where we are this. You know, it's, it's the comparison is the same. It's like, a, it's like football's 2008 moment, like it's financial crash moment. I mean, in terms, in ter- of, in terms of the contempt for the average person, that's I, how it feels. I think it's interesting in terms of the setup of the clubs who have come out and announced that they're going to be part of the founding yeah, yeah, members. So for example, no German sides in there. Yeah. Hans-Joachim Watzke at Dortmund yeah. released a statement saying that, he's, that Dortmund are part of an ECA which rejects the idea of a Super League and basically says that their views are pretty much 100% identical to Bayern. As far as he knows, both clubs intend to stand by the agreed reforms to the Champions League. So that's going to be kind of interesting, I think, in terms of who signs up, who doesn't. I think the fact that six of the 12 clubs come from the Premier League, which is the richest European league anyway, I think speaks volumes. It was no surprise as well, because the Premier League was the precursor for this. The Premier League actually, this is the thing, what has to be understood in the context of all of this is that, unfortunately, the Premier League and UEFA, if they have a moment of introspection this week, will say, actually, we terraformed, we created the territory for this to emerge. Yeah. I I think this is an interesting thing to, I think, highlight is that there are no good guys and bad guys here. There are a lot of different varying bad guys, I think. So, for example... I wrote a bit of a reactive thread to it yesterday on Sunday when the news broke. In that, I said that, you know, UEFA has fucked European competition to the point where this has become possible. It doesn't mean that that's the only cause for this. What happens with football, and we saw it with the meat and decal law in Berlin last week where basically it reversed a kind of rent cap law. It's very hard to undo gradual erosion of a system over and I think what football has achieved over the last 20 years or so, and by football in this context, what I mean is specifically European top-level club football. Yes. There has been a, a gradual erosion of... Safeguards, protections? Safeguards, protections, yes. But also I think the actual formats which make the sport a sport. Yeah. So for example, it's actually in the piece that I was going to write, but I think that you know UEFA like dicked around with with the three European competitions, got rid of one of them and now I've realised, I think the, the reintroduction of, well, the introduction of the Conference League, for example, I think is probably the first admission from UEFA that they actually got something wrong because they mm, took away yes. a third competition thinking that they didn't need it and now they've realised actually a third competition is quite a good idea. Yes. But instead of stripping back massively the two competitions that they've already had, they're adding another bloated competition to two already, already bloated competitions. So it's always more, more, more. And yes. I think that psychologically, I'm going to go really romantic and misty-eyed for a little bit, so forgive me, you but should. I think that yep. this is, because football specifically, but sport in general, is a really, really strange thing in the, in the modern era, in the sense that you have multi-billion dollar industries that don't deal in tangible physical products. You're essentially dealing with remotion. You're, you're essentially trading on emotional um, attachment. Does that make sense? Like it's a, like the religion. Yes, yeah, like religion. Yeah, like it basically church. is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like brand loyalty, for example. Like sport mm. is arguably probably the most brand loyal, apart from religion, 
but like let's say strictly business like probably yeah, the most yeah. probably the biggest business or like has contains the highest brand loyalty in any business in the yeah. world because it is yeah. extremely hard to give up your sporting gloves yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. top level football in europe has abused that for years it's abused that relationship with its fans for years and yes. years and years yeah. yes. and that comes from the clubs that comes from the organizations that govern what this is, in my opinion, is just a, a yet another example of many, which probably now go into the hundreds and thousands of the people who are in charge of the game actually don't give a fuck about the game itself. They don't care. They don't care one bit. They don't care because what has happened, I think, in my opinion, and I know this is going to be massively long-winded and a little bit all over the place, so apologies go for for people. Go for it, go for it, go for it. But I think that what happens is, from a psychological point of view, when you reduce the exclusivity of something, for an organization that deals so heavily in economics, they completely ignore one of the most basic economics principles, which is supply and demand. What UEFA did, I think, was they created a system that didn't just reward success. It rewarded yeah. not failure, but not top-level success. So yeah. in, you, you didn't have to win a competition in order to get the same seat at a table as a winner did. Taking Arsenal as a prime example of that, over two decades of consistent Champions League qualification, they only really came close to winning it once. Maybe twice if you take in the Chelsea defeat in, um, with the Wayne Bridge goal. They were probably the best side in Europe that season. But the season they went to the final, they went to the one final in 20 odd years of consistent Champions League qualification. Now, I saw a lot of Arsenal fans, and this isn't a dig at Arsenal fans, this is just the, the situation that it created or the conditions that it created getting a little bit bored of consistent Champions League qualification because it was just the same, same cycle. However, imagine yeah. if Arsenal only qualified for the Champions League for the three league titles that they won. You then create a system that is less uh, entitled. And I think yeah, UEFA, UEFA, yeah, yeah. UEFA have created an environment that has allowed entitlement to breed, uh, breed Absolutely. on a on mass scale. On a mass on scale. Off the field. Yep. Now yep. that isn't the only reason that this has happened. It's, co it's coincided with a time where, I think James Montague wrote a really good thread about this, where you've had a, an influx of ungovernable, ungovernable wealth and Thank finance. Thank you. 2004, Fit and Proper Persons Test yes. introduced to assess the owners. And that right there, allowing Fax and Shinawatra to own Manchester City with all the things, with the ongoing criminal investigations, yep. is a major milestone. Yep. So just to jump in. So that's another that. thing yep. that you've got in there. Huge so there are, yep. this isn't a binary thing here. It's a gradual... Incremental. Yeah, yep. it's an incremental in increase in terms of... Or incremental um, shift in terms of what they see the sport is. When you expand the Champions League to include more clubs who aren't ever going to get close to winning it, for example... Mm you basically create this system where you know you become a Champions League club it just becomes a competition but it doesn't become as a reward for anything else if you think back and I know this is a little bit um, misty eyed but European Cups say for example if you talk to Villa fans or you talk to Nottingham Forest fans the European Cup wins define an era because they were a peak of a cycle you know, they won yeah. the league back-to-back -back European Cups or they would go to the final two years in a row or they would be part of these incredible sides that live long in the memory. Or if one team won the league one season, you know, Leicester, prime example, they will remember going to the Champions League because they won the league the year before and it was like a new thing. I think that when you assume that you can have a seat at the very top table for not achieving the top achievement that year, 
it creates this really fucking weird psychological thing, which is essentially what the entitlement thing is. They basically gentrified football. It's a permanent yeah. gentrification of football that was happening for a long time. But now what they've done is they've created a kind of gated community. And the problem, the, the problem for them, the problem for football right now is, it's the, you can call it the parable of Canary Wharf, right? Canary Wharf, basically, they went into Canary Wharf and they threw up all these huge high-rise gleaming office blocks in the middle of like one of the most deprived areas in London, Tower Hamlets, right? What's happened now? The pandemic has hit and all of a sudden those buildings are standing empty and they're doing anything they can not to give that housing or that, those, those buildings to like poor people as housing. And this is what could happen to the Super League if they're not careful. Mm -hmm. They have gambled so much on the income, the loyalty of this nebulous group of supporters. They've gambled a lot on that. They made a big bet. And a lot of very smart people in offices looking at their little algorithm tables and whatever, and I look at all the numbers and dotting the I's, they have made a massive gamble on their future. Here's the thing though. They have underestimated the backlash. They have. They have underestimated it because they've I done this. So. They have underestimated. I'll tell you why. Because they're sitting in their condos or in their yachts or wherever, sitting back going, this will get bumpy. But they have no idea how bumpy it's going to get for the people that are public facing. They have no idea how bumpy it's going to get for, for managers, for players on social media who are going to face that. Now, some might, a lot of people have said, are uh, the Super League's inevitable? I'm not so sure, actually. No, I, I, I'm not I, so sure. And I, can I just jump in with a thing here that I said yeah, on the yeah, thread? Yeah. Whether it happens or not is irrelevant, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think. It's the, it's the, it's the fact that the, um, the conditions have been cultivated for 12 of Europe's biggest clubs. Yes. Not the biggest, all 12, but 12 of yeah. Europe's biggest clubs to essentially mount a, cu a coup on European football. Exactly. And I choose those words very, very carefully and I mean them 100%. You're right, that's what it is. That's and what it like, is. In what fucking world is that okay? And, and it, it needs to be treated as a coup. And this is the thing, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I want to jump in there again. This has to be treated as a coup. There's yeah, going to be a lot of people is. looking at, people are going to be assessing this, oh, this and that. Look, if a bank is robbed in the night, you don't sit there debating the merits of the robbery and whether the merit, no, no, it's a robbery. A bank was robbed in the night. And you don't like, debate the ethics of the bank. You don't debate, exactly. The bank was robbed in the night. You don't, you know, oh, the bank had it coming. No, a bank was robbed in the night. And no, this bank was a unique bank because it was full of the dreams of millions of football fans. Mm -hmm. The dreams, the enjoyment, the escapism, that's what was stolen in the night, not the money. What was stolen was the dreams and the aspirations. You don't, oh, well, actually, yeah, we stole your dreams. We've got better dreams for you. No, I liked those ones. Those are the ones I was investing in emotionally. Those are the dreams I had. And you know what's disgusting about this? And I'll say this, like, this was a chaotic Premier League, right? It's been chaotic. And it might have a predictable winner. But here's the thing. Along the way, we've seen, despite these terrible conditions, or maybe because of them, but we've seen clubs play some of the best football I've seen in a while under terrible conditions. Mm -hmm. We've seen Leeds, we've seen Aston Villa, we've seen Leicester play astonishing football. And you're going to cut those people out at a time when those clubs are running themselves beautifully. Those clubs have all had different forms of challenges. They responded really well. At a time when those clubs are emerging, you're going to say, no, we're going to cut them out of the picture. Because you know what's happening? They see them advancing. They're coming up the lawn and they're like, no, let's cut them out. And this is the thing, whatever people say about this conversation, I want people to remember how this felt because the numbing effect is very easy over time to become numb to this. Nothing is inevitable about this. Um, and I want everyone to realize that at some level, even if it's individual, I think dissent, resistance, protest, whatever form that, you know, it matters at this point.
I think if you want to hear a glimpse into the psychology of those at the, who who are behind this, I think is in this Dan Rowan thread. So Dan, yeah, was football for the BBC. I'm going to read his entire thread. He's told he said he's told by well placed sources Manchester United and Real Madrid are the ringleaders. Three US own Premier League clubs really mean this. They're really sold on the prem, on the NFL model of closed league with star clubs, players driving value. Others see it as a leverage over UEFA. Unhappy with the new Champions League format means. Uh, money is shared among more clubs. Big clubs from struggling leagues, Spain and Italy, agitating because their domination has produced boring football outcomes. All clubs are hurting due to COVID. There was a thing actually saying that they've lost, uh, I think it was Swiss Ramble posted a really good thread about the the losses of clubs. Um, going back to Dan's thread, they said they want control of the competition structure and of revenue distributions. According to source, here's the thing. Here is the thing. Some of those involved in the Super League call traditional supporters of clubs legacy fans. While they are focused instead on fans of the future who want superstar names. Super League insists modelling shows solidarity payments will be boosted by 10 million euros over 23 seasons. Super League clubs insist they negotiated in good faith with UEFA over new Champions League, but really dislike the new 36-team format, which they feel is quantity over quality. That's a lie. In good faith with Agnelli left the in thing, the middle But this of it. is the thing. It's, not, it's no good the quality, faith at all. The quantity yeah. over quality thing is kind of going into what I was saying before. So if they, yeah. if, if they genuinely wanted quality over quantity, I mean, they don't. That's the thing. They really don't. I mean, like it, we've said this a million times and I've, I've expressed my personal opinion on how I would like to see changes in European club competition look or like how I'd want to see them look. I would massively prefer the champions of all the leagues going into the Champions League each season. Yeah. Like, I know it's not going to happen, but I think that, for example, if you restricted or reduced the amount of clubs that could go into Europe each season or the, the variation in each competition each season, you kind of reduce the boredom that leads to stuff like this. You know, So, for example, if it was okay for Barcelona to not finish in the Champions League one season, or it was okay for Manchester United not to finish in the Champions League one season, or it was okay for Juve to miss out one season. Like, they create conditions of genuine, like, competition again. Right. And basically, you know, for example, and the removal of, like, if you finish third in your group, you then parachute into another competition. No, fuck off. Like, fuck you off. Degrade, yeah, you degrade that competition. Like, this is the thing. Is there, have you ever seen a system that has been yeah. more designed by like middle-aged white dudes to so consistently reward failure. How many of them have been in a room with a match-paying fan home and away for the last 20 years? How many of those people have actually been in a room with any of those people? Really, like for any significant period of time, like a lot of people pushing these numbers. I think the timing of the announcement. Yep, yep. I think to, that was revealing in itself. Yeah, that was extremely revealing. They've done it without fans because they know that they won't face any backlash at games immediately. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can go over a year into a pandemic and this is your way to fix it, yeah, to pull yourself away from... The game that made you. Exactly. Let me read you something, right? So Agnelli came out and said, uh, you know, the 12 founding clubs, fucking founding members, like there's some republic. Yeah, it's right. fucking bullshit. Like, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. They said they've got 99 European titles. And who do they win those off? I went through and I've listed them. Real Madrid, 15. Barcelona, 12. Liverpool, 9. 
Milan 9, Juventus 6, Inter 6, Manchester United 5, Chelsea 5, Atleti 4, no European Cups, Spurs 3, no European Cups, Arsenal 2, no European Cups, Manchester City have won one European trophy and they've never won a European Cup. That totals 74. So the other 25 are made up of Inter Totos and Super Cups. Yeah, right. So they've even fluffed the numbers on that. Of course they have. I am an Arsenal fan. You're a Manchester United fan. Well, have, well, but what does that mean at this point? Not being funny, but if this happens, sorry to, I mean, this sounds dramatic, but I was thinking about this last night. I was like, what does that even mean at this point? Like, if they do this, it's disgusting. And I say that, like, you know, here's the thing, right, Ryan, like, if that club operates, thinks it can operate independently, and it doesn't know who gives a, who gives a damn who my allegiances are, but I'll just end up liking football, I think. I think I won't root for... I, won't, I can't root for a club that does that. I don't think I can. I mean, you know, we're all human. We have our attachments. But here's the thing, right? Like, I don't know where my allegiances will be and not that anyone really cares apart from me. Here's the thing though, right? This is from my own personal perspective. There were things that happened in the church that made people break with the church and made them stop filling up the pews and made them stop rooting for it. And people drifted away and became, they found solace in other things, other spirituality, they became atheists because the church basically became objectionable to them. And what this is, this is a moment of the church becoming objectionable to a lot of people. And that's intangible. A lot of people still fill the pews and do whatever, but some will drift away. And I'm not sure at this point if that will include me or other people, if I'll just end up, you know, because I'll always cover football in some form. I'll always cover this, you know, it's my job, right? At the same time, in terms of an allegiance, you know, I'm a Manchester United fan. What does that mean? Like what you follow, the Glazer thing, you know, the, the ownership by the Glazers and loading debt onto the club. That's the thing I wrote about, you know, I wrote about it several times and then like you stop writing about it to an extent because at a certain point it's a broken record, right? Debt basically undermining your institution. But fundamentally it's like, well, what am I supporting? What am I rooting for here? Faith in an organisation is deep and love for an organisation is deep, but these things are not unconditional. Mm -hmm. Love for an abusive institution is not unconditional. Shouldn't be. And if these institutions are going to stop loving football back, which they clearly do, there'll be ramifications. And here's the thing as well. Let me say specifically, these clubs should be ashamed of themselves, particularly those clubs. There are some clubs on that list, and I won't name them because everyone knows who they are. They have held themselves out as being more than this, better than this, community-based, really caring. And they have, they may as well have set fire to the season tickets of some of these supporters because that's what's going to be happening. We don't know the numbers. There will be season tickets holders who will quietly drift away as a result of this. They won't make a big show of it, but it's broken so many hearts today. And the worst thing is, even if this doesn't go ahead, the point you made about, there's a point I want to add to yours. You said, even if this doesn't go ahead, the conditions have been created for the coup. Here's the other thing. Even if this doesn't go ahead, we will never escape the fact that those 12 clubs put themselves out there, whether this happens or not. Those 12 clubs have said permanently, we don't really care about you. We don't care about who turns up on match day. Yep. And that is in that, that's, 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 that's true for Manchester United, for Manchester City for Liverpool, for Arsenal, for Spurs, you know, for these clubs that say we're bigger and better than that. You're not actually, and you never will be. That is heartbreaking, actually. It really is. It really is. Uh, I want to read something that Melissa Reddy wrote. Just caught this tweet right now. She said, um, obviously, senior fo football correspondent in the Independent, extremely well-sourced. Uh, yeah. Melissa says, players were not consulted and aren't keen. Opinions of the managers that will now be in the spotlight and feel questions about the Super League were not taken into consideration. Club staff don't like it. The overwhelming majority of fans don't want this. It's on the owners. And this is the thing. It's on the owners. This is 100%, this is 100 yeah. an executive level decision amongst yeah. 12 football clubs. Yeah. 
you've got a number of people who are involved with football clubs who have never had an actual emotional bond with it. They've only ever had a business or capital based relationship with the football club. And they are prepared to blow the whole thing up. The whole model that created the, the clubs that they have kind of like skateboarded into. Yeah. Like for example, Cronky prime example. I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm going to focus on Arsenal because I feel like I can talk about my club and not get, you know, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't partisan, partisan, yeah. I don't want fans of other, yeah, I don't yeah. want fans of other football clubs to think like I'm targeting theirs. Cronky could sell his relationship with Arsenal tomorrow. The people who could sell their entire connection for an actual financial value yeah. are making the decisions for yeah. billions of people who yeah. can't. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And the sheer arrogance of the people who are involved in making these decisions, this is the more criminal thing about it. And this is why we said at the top of it, whether it goes ahead or whether it doesn't, is kind of irrelevant. It's the yeah. fact that they have felt brazen enough to go and make this, this call. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what this is about. Yeah, yeah. Arsenal Football Club, they do not have more of a right to go into a European Super League than any other club in the pyramid. They just don't. They They just don't, don't, Musa. And none of these football clubs, no matter how successful they are, none of these clubs have a right to break away. They just don't. Disgusting. They it's just disgusting. Don't. Yeah, they need, they need to know that. They don't. And They're this is why right. I, I flippantly said in the thread, I was just like, there's part of me that just hopes you wafer just says, fuck all of this. Let's make three competitions straight knockout and see how you like it then. Yeah. Breakaway. I know a load of people are saying, well, let him go, let him go. There's part of me that's kind of like, well, yeah, let him go. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with, I agree with that. Bend the, you know what, you know what, let them, bin them off and let them become, let them play in their weird little gated community slash hypermarket let, let them go and like play a little like gated community let them do it you know and actually because there's so many clubs across Europe I think poor money strengthen the clubs that didn't break away strengthen them right at the grassroots strengthen their youth systems and really like tell the local stories and build that because you know what this isn't just about football Ryan we, we're in a pandemic right now we've got something else coming along in a few years which many of us know about which is basically like we're going to have a load of migration due to sea level rises, right? We're going to have a lot of really bad... No, no, no. I'm sorry to get into this. This no, is really no, no, important. No, no. Because, I was just reacting to something else that I've just seen. Because I feel like, you know, I feel like football as a, as a tool for community cohesion is so... Not of a tool, but like as a means, is so important, right? It's been so important in this pandemic on and off the field. You know, people viewing uh, games together on Zoom, people like, you know, watch, you know, basing their evenings around a game. Like this is really the pandemic has emphasized the importance of football as something bigger than just a spectacle, something brings people together, right? We're going to need it even more in the years to come. And if these people are going to, these, whatever they are, these skeletons, these corporate skeletons at this point are going to break away, then just let them do it. And you know what? Here's the thing as well. Like this may have unintended consequences for those 12 clubs. Well, they've just, one of their managers has just been sacked. Jose Mourinho has just been fired by Spurs. What? Musa, it's not even midday on a Monday. What? 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 Okay, okay, okay. Let me, um, let me, uh, sorry. Let me just, um, wow. Wow. We can't even deal with this right now. I mean, wait, no, 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 no. We're going to do it very quickly, because we're not going to do a full podcast on this, but you know, can I just say this as well? We said this about Jose Mourinho 
And that documentary, All or Nothing, we talked about it and I was like, oh, have I been a bit harsh? And I thought, oh no, but it's actually, no, we were, we were right. We were bang on about that. I'm sorry. I don't like to like say we're right about this or that because, you know, football's a catfish. We get a lot of things wrong, but I never liked the energy of that relationship. I never liked the energy of that. And here's the thing, Ryan, it's not just about what you win or trophies, it's the process. It's how you treat people along the way. Mm-hmm. And that was basically throwing a relationship with one of the greatest coaches Premier League has seen in the modern era, Pochettino, in terms of the ideas that he brought, because as we see from Bielsa's career, being a great manager isn't just about trophies, it's about what you bring to a league, right? Pochettino was treated in such a disgraceful way towards the end. And Mourinho was the shiny new toy. And now he has seen what happens, Mourinho himself, with shiny new toys. And Levy has done it again. I mean, we've seen what, like two... Have we ever seen a coup in an execution in the same 24 hours? Dude, I know I, I know I said embrace the chaos, but honestly, fuck, chill. This is, I need four Twitter accounts. <laughs> Do you know what? This is wild. This is one of those days when actually the actual action is hotter than the takes. I feel like my hottest take, my hottest take would be cold compared with what's actually happening in football at the moment. Um, have we rambled too much about the Super League? No, we haven't. We can't. It's not possible. It's one of the few times I don't think it's possible to say too much. We can leave it there because we're going to return to it. But I think it's really important to have come on this podcast and just voice our discontent at this point. I think it's, you have to put a marker down. Yeah, I want to wrap with yeah. on the Super yeah, that's League right, that's stuff right. yeah. by saying yeah, that's right. um, that I don't think this is the end of it. I don't think this is how it's going to be. That's my gut feeling. If it is how it's going to be, then this is... I don't think it's hard. I think it's difficult to overstate how seismic this is. Yeah. This is probably the most seismic day in the history of the sport, actually. Yeah. Decisions regarding the world's biggest sport being made by a handful of extremely wealthy individuals. To be honest, it's all terrible. And maybe we should say that certain clubs aren't. It's all, it's all equally terrible at the same time. I'm particularly disappointed. I, I didn't expect more of certain clubs, but I'm particularly disappointed in a couple of clubs on that list. Yeah, does, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm particularly disappointed in a couple of clubs on that list because I'm like, you should have been better than that. The other thing I want to say is that I feel huge, huge sympathy for any football fan, uh, for anyone who is a fan of any of these clubs today. Yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I yeah. think that one thing I do want to say is that, yet again, fans of all of these football clubs have done the work and have put forward views that should be the views of those running their fucking football clubs. Every single supporters group has come out or supporters trust has come out with basically the same statement, whether they're Spurs fans or whether they're Manchester United fans, whether they're any fans like that. I really applaud the work of those supporters trusts and supporters groups because they are, they are basically firefighting right now. Yeah. 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 Speaking as a fan of one of these clubs who has put this forward, I know that this has nothing to do with, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang or Mikel Arteta. This has nothing to do with 99.9% of the people who are employed at the football club. However, I am deeply, deeply ashamed uh, at the club that I support and have supported all my life. People who run the game are hugely unaware of what makes the game. Put it this way, I've never seen any announcement in football met with the pushback, with the universal pushback that this has. 
Yeah, never seen it. And yeah. when things unite pretty much every single football fan on the internet. Yeah, we know it's funny about this as well, because there are going to be, the, the, the ones I feel particularly for are the managers, because they, yeah. they're the bridge between the boardroom and the rest of the world, like the players and everything. And those managers will now be, I mean, imagine those conversations with the board. Mm. Imagine the year that certain managers have had, like the traumatic year on a personal level that some of those managers have had. Both the tragedies, the traumas we know about and the ones that we don't. And he dropped this on them. Having to manage, like Zinedine Zidane had 12 fit players to play Getafe. Mm-hmm. Two of whom were on the bench. 12 match fit players, right? And I'm not, you know, in the middle of all of this, you're then making them your spokespeople for a project a lot of them may not even support. Yep. I mean, it's wild. It's wild. All right, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jose Mourinho has, uh, let's see, have we got a statement yet? Uh, let's see, I'm looking. I think it's still breaking. Ryan Mason and Chris Powell in temporary charge at Tottenham and they will appoint a new manager. Do we save this for a Emergency podcast. A bonus or what? What do we do? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, do you know no one at the ring. No one at the ring is awake yet. So, what do we do? This kind of feels like what, what, you know, like a like mum and dad have left us at home, <laughs> and we're like, do you know? Do, do you know? What I feel like no. I feel. I feel worse. I mean, I was recently watching um, the Cloverfield Paradox. I'm going to spoil it for you. Sadly, who hasn't watched you sat it already? Through that. Yeah, I did. Wow, I turned it off after like 15 minutes. So here's the thing. You know, I feel like the Cloverfield Paradox where. They escape being sucked into the vortex of space-time only to get safely back to Earth and then they land back on Earth in the space probe only to get basically <laughs> confronted by a monster as big as a cloud. And I feel like that. I feel like we came to this podcast having safely navigated the horror of the European Super League as a concept and the Mourinho sacking appears like a monster out of the cloud. That's how I feel. It's just, I can't process it. Because, look, people... Uh, pretty clear on my view of the Mourinho appointment and the concerns I had about it, the concerns I had about what I saw in the All or Nothing documentary, squad chemistry, issues like that. And it felt like people thought I was maybe being harsh and my assessment I thought was quite measured. But I look at this and just go, have I ever seen a more predictable mess? Yeah. I mean, we said when he was announced, I think um, that this was kind of like a bit of an arrogance higher yeah. by Levy I think he's always he always wanted Spurs to be a club that um could could attract the likes of Jose Mourinho yeah or I think he always wanted Jose Mourinho as manager but when they met yeah. the trajectories were at very different points and going in very different directions and um didn't we do a what if about Mourinho going to Newcastle yeah we did I think it's going to happen terrifying can you imagine if Mourinho ends up at Newcastle well, you have imagined it and it was terrifying. <laughs> I'm actually getting scared of what if scenarios. I don't like this man. Like I posted that thing a few weeks ago about liking Gladbach playing in uh, black shorts and then... You've incepted it. And then they posted, the, you know, the future the, with the black shorts. They tweeted it and I'm just like, what's I don't like this. I don't like this power. Are you incepting things? I don't I like think this you power, are. Moose. <laughs> it's like, you know, in a, I was watching uh, The Dark Knight again the other night just for... It's a quantum podcast. We're incepting yeah. people. <laughs> You're channeling vast swathes of of energy of cosmic yeah. energy that you cannot control I feel like this is this feels like a cosmic energy moment oh god I'm exhausted what do we even, you know, it's before midday on a Monday and I'm exhausted 
I'm stressed out. Yeah. I, I, I vote for getting out of here. I agree. If, can we get out of here? Can I run to the front door of my flat and find they've walled it up? I'm stuck in here. It's like, you're living in a super league now. You can't get out. I just want my vaccine so I can escape all of this. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I wanna, I'm, I'm, do you know what? Fuck football. I'm going to Andy Dufresne it. I'm gone. See, I'm terrified. I'm, I'm, not, I'm only half joking. I'm terrified that we'll get to the edges of like the city limits and there'll be nothing there. Just antimatter that we've been swallowed up. <laughs> Giant wire fence that just says Super League controlled zone. You are now in the Super League, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and if you step into it, it's just all of a sudden like, <clears throat> it's like when you can, you know, go trespassing on government property. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they've quietly privatised like <laughs> the neighbourhood in our absence. Oh, sorry, miss, that's five euros to walk there. What? Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's the Super League thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we can do a little bit of the Jose stuff on Wrighty's house. We'll see. I think you'll have to, yeah. Have I have to. no idea what's going on, everyone. I'm really, really sorry. I hope that, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people tweeted at us about today's Stadio episode when the Super League stuff was being announced. So I hope that we, uh, I don't know. Can I say this, Ryan? These are exceptional circumstances. I would advise hydration the next 24 hours. I really would. Do you know what? I'm not even going to bleep that out. <laughs> yeah, I really would advise it. It's the only thing I can control at this moment. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm going straight for the whiskey. I'm gonna mind my own business. Take my vitamins and mind my own business. Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of what we did about a lot of what we said about the Super League was obviously kind of coming from quite an emotional place. So definitely, we've missed some details or we've missed some points of, of course, view that we yeah. probably would have made. We'll yeah. cover it again. We'll do a follow up. Yeah, because obviously, it's a hugely rapidly developing story. Yeah, we just tried to be as honest as we possibly could about our feelings about it. And not everyone will agree with us, but I think just to sum up very, very quickly on that, just to clarify in case anyone is, is in any doubt, UEFA aren't the good guys here. <laughs> yeah, And yeah. Uh, we're not saying that they are. Um, there aren't many good guys in, involved in this scenario. Uh, shouts to Ravi Palmer, who just tweeted us saying the world hasn't been the same since you guys released the Chaotic Eleven. <laughs> Oh no! And to be honest, we've still got to do our follow-up on that as well, which we haven't forgotten about, by the way. We're just waiting for a gap in the schedule to do it. And at the moment, it looks like we're never going to get one, but we will do it. Um, for now, should we just bounce? Because Yeah, let's do it. Let's bounce. Let's get is, out of here. We can, while we still can. Yeah. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe and well and try and get off the internet for a bit if you can. Yeah. I think I'm going to do some laundry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Back to basics. Don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Don't forget to check the Stadio outros on Spotify. Speaking of which, we're playing out this episode with the distributors. Never, never. Any other admin we need to shout out? I can't think anymore. I don't, I have no idea what's going on. Um, I would just recommend that we, can we turn football off and turn it back on again? Can we Restore just, it to can we just leave it off? Can we restore the settings? Yeah. Can we leave yeah. it off? Please. Yeah. Um, stay strong, everyone. I'm going to do some laundry. <laughs> stay strong. I'm going to do some laundry and get some pizza, and that's that on that. All right, man. Uh, well, yeah, okay. I'll probably speak to you in a bit. <laughs> yeah, see ya. Uh, take care, everyone. Wow. We'll be back in a few days.
Never, never. 